Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, and good morning. Friday, here we go on a big, big weekend. Hope y'all are doing well. This is Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman, and we're very, very excited about lots going on this weekend. We come your way each and every day, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon. You can join us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports at Facebook slash Chatterbox Sports. Is that somebody's computer barking over there? By the way, good morning, Casey McAllister. Paul Fritschner, nice to have you here, my, my man. Tom, great to see you. You great. guys all right? Happy yeah. Friday, Tom. Happy Friday, indeed. Baseball playoffs start today. We're going to get into all that today and lots more. Um, we mentioned we're also at Facebook slash Chatterbox Sports. Please subscribe, hit the notifications button, let you know when all our clips come out. I was just watching a little bit of our buddy Tracy Jones from yesterday. That is must-see TV every Tuesday and Thursday at 11.30. you got to check it out. On social media, we can be found on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Tom Brenneman TV. That's Tom Brenneman TV. We're also available in podcast form. Many of you are enjoying our show via the podcast. Search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman wherever you get your podcast, and I promise you it will be there. All right. Thursday night football. It may not have been football artistry, anything but. However, it was exciting. That's the thing about the NFL. So many games are being played right down to the end. Last night, the Colts go to Denver. They beat the Broncos in overtime 12-9. So, not artistry in any way. Both quarterbacks throwing picks all over the place. In fact, Russell Wilson through two second-half interceptions, one with two minutes to go when Denver had a chance really to put the game away. The Broncos this year have played three home games. We've talked about the Bengals' offense struggling at times this year. Think about this. Russell Wilson comes in, huge free agent signee, right? Huge contract. The Broncos have scored two touchdowns in their three home games. They slipped to 2-3, and three, the Colts at 2-2-1. Two, two and one. A little bit later on this morning, the Bengals will have their final tune-up before jumping on the Big Bird to Baltimore for Sunday night's game against the Ravens. Kickoff is set for 8 o'clock on NBC. Cincinnati is a three-point underdog in this one. The over-under is set at 48-and-a-half. Elsewhere in the AFC North, Cleveland, who, like the Bengals and the Ravens, Stand at 2-2. Two and two. We'll host the L.A. Chargers at 1 o'clock. Surprisingly, I think it's surprisingly. Maybe you don't. The Browns are a two-and-a-half-point underdog in that. We have our picks coming up later today, and we'll address all these games. The Steelers at 1-3 and three go to Buffalo. That's a 1 o'clock kick. The Bills are favored by 14 points. Rookie Kenny Pickett will get the start at quarterback for what we call the men of aluminum not the men of steel. As we heard from Brian Billick on Monday, you got to run Pickett out there sooner or later. And Mike Tomlin says that time is now. A couple of other games of interest. 
The New York Giants go to Green Bay. Both teams are 3-1. and one. Aaron Rodgers has been very disappointed the way the offense has played. In fact, he said the way they're winning is not sustainable. And the 3-1 and one Dallas Cowboys travel to the 2-2 two and two L.A. Rams. Cooper Rush is a perfect 3-0 since taking over for Dak Prescott. The Rams looked awful against the 49ers. Matthew Stafford was sacked seven times in that game. On the college front, homecoming weekend, big party weekend down there in Clifton as the number 24 UC Bearcats host South Florida. UC a 27.5 point favorite. Kickoff 230. And again, like every game now, we'll talk with Dan Horde about this a little bit later on. Every game at Nippert sold out. Number three, Ohio State, for the first time all year, goes on the road. Buckeyes travel to East Lansing for a matchup against one of the most disappointing teams in the country, Michigan State. The Buckeyes are absolutely rolling. This team is really good. Kickoff is set for four. Ohio State, a 27-point favorite. That line should maybe be something closer to 40. Miami of Ohio hosts Kent State up in Oxford. Kentucky will be at home in Lexington against South Carolina. Two other games outside our area to keep an eye on. Alabama and Texas A&M get together. The Aggies, it appears they've lost starting quarterback Max Johnson for the year with a hand injury. Bryce Young is questionable after injuring his shoulder last week. That's a game-time decision. Then you throw in all the comments. Back and forth, Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. They used to work together, but then Fisher calls him a narcissist during the offseason. They say they've patched it up. Saban says no hard feelings. But I would bet money, and I'm not a gambler, but if Saban can run it up on the Aggies, he will do so. And when the season began, if someone would have told you the game of the weekend would be Kansas and TCU, You'd have given somebody 10,000 to one odds for a hundo, and you would have lost. This is a huge game in the Big 12. The Horned Frogs routed Oklahoma last week. They put up 55 points on the Sooners. KU is 5-0 for the first time since 2009. College game day is going to Lawrence, Kansas, and it's not for a basketball game. Baseball, the Reds fired five coaches yesterday. That is called window dressing after a 100-loss season. The MLB playoffs, as Paul mentioned, they get underway today. These are best-of-three series, and they start at noon up in Cleveland. The former Indians, now Guardians, will host Tampa Bay. The Cardinals this afternoon at home against Philadelphia. Seattle plays at four in Toronto. Interesting note there. Former Red Luis Castillo starts game one for Seattle. It is his first post-game, post, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Postseason series start. Boy, fumbling around on a Friday. We were on a roll. Went straight south. Then you have tonight, San Diego at the Mets. You Darvish this year in two starts has dominated the Mets. Will that continue tonight? And the great Max Scherzer is on the hill for the Mets. 
All right, fellas, we got, uh, we got a big show today. We got Paul Doherty coming up uh, at 1040. We have Dan Horde, the radio play-by-play voice of both the UC Bearcats and the Cincinnati Bengals coming up at 11. We have our picks at 1130. Paul, picks are your specialty. Since you're sitting in for Brandon today, are you going to be grading our picks? I'll be helping out for sure. What I'll be helping. Well, I, mean, uh, I was told that Brandon's calling in for some picks too. So, look, if we need some advice, you know, Casey, if you're looking for some help, Tom. Tom, you and I were agreeing on a lot of the picks when you were going through them earlier this morning. So we I, were. I we were. Is that a good thing or a bad thing, Tom? Look, you, how are you doing um, on your show, Not Too Picky, Mondays and Thursdays? Yes. How have you been doing on your picks? We're doing pretty well. Not, I, I, not we. I'm asking about you. Yes, I've, I've been doing pretty well. I have not gone back and totaled everything up, but we have not had a show go under 500 yet. What do you mean you haven't totaled them up? Isn't that part of the show to find out how well you're doing? What are you guys doing? Well, yeah, to a, to a certain point it is. But, I mean, when we're giving out, you know, we're 20, 30 picks a show, then you got to go back and you got to total everything up. So we're, we're still, yeah, we're still they're, sifting they're. through all of that. But we have not had a show go under 500 on our picks yet. And when you say we... I, I close the show every show with football picks with Reed yes. as well. And Reed, then and then Reed Mouse, Reed Mouse. and then uh, we'll have our guest come on, and our guest will give a pick. Our YouTube chat will give a pick. Our YouTube chat's on a four-pick winning streak, and our guests are on a four-pick winning streak. We've only had one guest give a losing pick, and that was on the first show a month ago. So it's pretty good. We're rocking and rolling, Tom. We're making people money. Now, look. Speaking of making money, uh, you know, we hope we do at Chatterbox, but you, you know, we we got a lot going on here. There's Paul's show. Brandon Seho starts a mental health show in November. Uh, you know about all the high school football games. What's a big game tonight? Fairfield v. Lakota West? Lakota West at yep. Fairfield. Yep. Yes. That's a big game. It'd be a great crowd for that. Day. Yeah. You know, Lakota West, I think, is ranked second or third in the state. Yeah. Moeller number one. Moeller's number one. Yeah. Princeton's ranked two, I think. Yeah. Um, Elder, they might still be ranked, but, I mean, they got just bludgeoned by Moeller. Uh, everybody's been bludgeoned by Moeller. Um what was I getting at here? Uh, anyway, oh, what were a lot of things going on at Chatterbox. So, so um, for those that don't know, tomorrow is our maiden voyage for what we call the Bearcat Bash. So for those of you that are familiar with the Clifton area and all of the building, they've done such a great job down there. The mainstay through it all is Short Vine, right? People my age. We used to go all the time to Bogarts, to concerts, stuff like that. They've got bars, restaurants, whole nine yards. Trace Fowler, our CEO, uh, has been working morning, noon, and night to get all the permits, the whole nine yards. So now Short Vine tomorrow, right? Correct me if I'm wrong here, fellas, will be completely closed off. You can walk around and drink beer. We have beer right there at the tailgate. It's a game day show, game day like show. We call it the Bearcat Bash. We've got a big stage. We've got our video replay boards. Um, Kirk Herbstreit told me he has never been anywhere through all the years of college game day like the one they had at UC last year. And that's what we're trying to do here on Chatterbox for every home game moving forward starting tomorrow. Anything I'm missing there, I know that Brandon is hosting that show with Tony Pike. We have comedians that are coming in to do some stuff, right? Yeah, a couple of Barstool guys will be there. We have some former UC players that are going to be there, and it's going to go all day. So even after the game, 
if you watch the game and you want to come over, the beer tents will be there all day until I think 10 o'clock at night. And we're also giving away tickets. So you come early and you might get a couple tickets to the game. So be, uh, be ready to come have a good time with us. And um, it's called The Bash. Oh, Legal, yeah. Legally, it's called it the beer. Okay. It's called The Bash. The yep. Bash. Okay. But right. and you know, the great, great thing about it is, is that, is that because of the, the, the layout, Nippert stuck in the middle of the campus like it is with, you know, buildings all around it. Uh, there aren't a lot of great tailgate places that you see, like maybe some other places that, you know, a little more spread out. This short vine is as good as it gets. I mean, you walk right down that little mini hill that drops you right down two blocks from walking in the door at Nippert. So the bash starts at what time tomorrow? I believe it starts at 10. Okay, and goes till 10 at night. 10 at night. 10 at night. Yep. Wow. Okay. And again, you're allowed to walk around like a lot of places are now. I can't remember what the acronym they're using. Dora. It's like a Dora. Dora. Yeah. Okay, yep. you can walk yeah. around and drink a beer and, and, uh, and hang out and, uh, and have a lot of fun. It's supposed to be a beautiful fall day tomorrow. Sellout crowd, homecoming weekend. We invite you to stop by the bash. We're doing the same things at the Bengals game. Now, where are we with this whole thing? Because we did our first, you know, tailgate down there at uh, Longworth Hall. Yep. And then we did one prior to the Thursday night game against Miami a week and a half ago, um, right next to Moore Lines. Yes. So where are we moving forward? Because I want everybody to know where you can come check us out, because Chatterbox is doing one of these. And we want you to be along for the ride. Yeah, I believe that the uh, the plan is for us to be at Moorline for the rest of the time. Really? Now, yeah, I do believe so. Um, Trace is still working out a, a deal with uh, the Moorline owner. And uh, he is uh, very excited for us, wants to partner with us. So we're, we're just uh, working on that contract currently. And uh, hopefully we can... Um, provide everyone a great time down down by the banks it'll be a, an awesome time you know i uh, one thing i failed to mention fellows in the opening monologue today and i want to thank nathan who is a uh, a regular viewer uh on youtube he reminds us reminds me and i apologize for not bringing it up sunday FC Cincinnati, right, Paul? This is a winner-take-all game at 2.30, right? Yep. Yeah, I had That's Tommy right. G, the voice of FC Cincinnati, had him on my show yesterday to preview what is decision day on Sunday. There's nine scenarios for FC Cincinnati to get into the postseason. Eight of them involve FC Cincinnati being in. The only way FC does not get into the postseason is with a loss and then an Orlando draw uh, in their match. So eight of the nine scenarios for a team that was so dismal last year and so terrible, FC's turned things around. If you've been down to TQL Stadium, it's been a fun season. The crowds have been great now as the team has gotten – I mean, they lost last weekend for the first time since July. So, yeah, think, things are looking good for, for FC Cincinnati right now. They, it, it would be pretty hard. I want to say it's impossible. We know that – how some things have gone wrong in Cincinnati sports over yep. the years. So I don't want to say it's impossible, but it would be very hard for uh, FC to miss the postseason. But the bottom line is they don't even have to worry about any other scenarios as long as they win. If the they game. win, they and are they in. They win yes. the game. Right. Yes. That's all that yep. matters. If they win, they're in. Win and you're in. Yep. You know, we were talking about this a little bit yesterday and what the interest level is. Casey, a couple of days ago, we were talking about this, you and, and Brandon and me. Um, and, Paul, you're really dialed in. And, Casey, I know you're a big fan um, 
of FC Cincinnati and follow it regularly. Um, are they still selling out or, or drawing big crowds for all those games? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what the official sellout number is, right. but the crowds always, this year, as, especially as the unbeaten streak went along, the crowds just continued to get better and better. And then at home last weekend against Chicago, you, it was probably one of their better crowds of the season, if not the best crowd of the season. And, yeah, and it I was saw a where TQL Stadium won some international award. Yeah. Best football stadium in the – well, it's soccer. Best soccer stadium in the world, according to some yeah. – t- to an outlet. Wow. I mean, yeah. that's unbelievable. That's awesome. Yeah. I have not been in there yet. You, you, obviously, you guys have both yeah. been in there. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to get in there. It has a very intimate feel to it. If, you, if anybody's listening that hasn't been down there either, it, it's very it, – no matter where you sit, you feel like you're right there on the action. They didn't – I think that's one of the good things, and especially with the way that some of these newer NFL stadiums are being designed too, that the seating capacities are being restricted because more, more and more people are watching games at home. I think that's one of the big benefits and boons of the new age of sports viewership is that you have this more – like I said, intimate feel with the players yep. because there's just not as many seats in the stadium. They want, they would rather the stadiums be more crowded than wait for the postseason where you have this 50, 60, 70,000 seat stadium, but it's empty two thirds of the season. Then it gets the postseason, it's full, but they'd rather the stadium be full the whole season. Sure. And, uh, you know, the Bailey, everything else, it's, it's, it's been an exciting year for FC. Right. Well, I want to thank Nathan for pointing that out um, because that is certainly worth noting. Uh, here in Cincinnati, and we wish FC Cincinnati the very, very best of luck. Are, are, are you guys now, Casey? I know you say you're you know, you're new to baseball. I mean, are, are you guys gonna watch the baseball playoffs? Well, I know Paul will because he made an interesting bet, right? Yeah, so yesterday on Not Too Picky, Reed and I, Reed Mouse and I, at the end of the show, I looked to him and I said, Hey, look, guys, none of us have a team that we're invested in in the postseason right. right the reds aren't in the postseason i'm from dc the nationals aren't in the postseason i worked with the orioles last year the orioles aren't in the postseason reads a cubs fan cubs aren't in the postseason so i said we got to find somebody with decent enough odds with a good enough shot to win in the postseason and let's put a bet down and just call them our team for for october Reed somehow convinced me to settle on the mets at plus 900 it's a good it's a good, good bet i i think with the pitching and with, you know, you look at like Pete Alonso, you look at some of the lineup. I know that they haven't been as hot lately as they were early in the season. They just got swept by the Braves. They had that 10.5 game lead in the NL East. The Braves came charging strong. They win for the fifth straight year in the NL East. But at plus nine, we wanted, we, we didn't want to just take the, obviously yeah. the Dodgers, the favorite, probably going to win it. Could have just settled at that, but they were like plus 360 or something. We wanted a little more bang for our sure. buck so we settled on the Mets well I mean look the Mets have those two starters um you know if DeGrom stays healthy he's maybe two or three more great years away if he does what he's always done of uh, being a future Hall of Famer Scherzer undoubtedly is going to be in the Hall of Fame one day Scherzer starts in game one as we mentioned tonight and uh you know look we talked about this with my dad the other day there are two managers out there who in my opinion both are Hall of Fame managers uh, Dusty Baker with Houston, used to be with the Reds, of course, and Buck Showalter with the New York Mets. They are both great managers. They've taken multiple teams to the playoffs. Uh, they're a little more, not a little more, they are old school type of managers. Uh, you're not going to see one of these games if Scherzer's in there with 110 pitches in the seventh and he's going after people. He's not getting taken out of the game because he's sitting at 110 pitches. 
unlike Kevin Cash in the World Series a couple of years ago, he's jerking a guy out of the game who's working on a shutout because he's at 100 pitches. That ain't happening with Buck Showalter and with Dusty Baker. Uh, even though Scherzer and DeGrom have had their share of injuries, especially DeGrom the first half of this year. Uh, but, but I think it would be a good story if those two teams wound up in the World Series. Yeah. Because I think for both of those guys, neither one has won the whole thing. Uh, and they've been great managers for a long time. I think it'd be a good storyline for the sport of baseball. If you're betting on the game tonight, if you're looking at the primetime game, the Mets and the Padres, the Mets are the betting favorites, but the Mets have scored the most runs uh, on average in the first inning this year. They score about .8 runs per game in the first inning. You Darvish, one of the worst first inning pitchers in baseball. So if you're looking at that that nerfy bet, I would not take that tonight in the uh, in the Padres and the Mets game, but the Mets at home, that, that it's kind of a weird setup now with this best of three wild card thing, Tom, where... You get all three games potentially at home if you have to go to the third. You get rewarded for being the higher seed. That's the way it should be. Yeah, that's yeah, the way it should be. And then uh, you know, on on the American League side, you have Houston the one seed, Yankees a two seed. Dusty. National League side, you got that's right, Dusty. You got uh, in the National League, Dodgers number one seed, Atlanta number two seed. So it, it it will be fun to watch. I don't know how much of it I will actually sit down and watch, but 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 the playoffs at least to get your blood flowing a little bit. Uh, and, you know, sort of spark the uh, fire a little for baseball now that they move into, quote-unquote, October. Uh, the Bengals, fellas. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Casey's been saying, if you haven't been with us, Casey's been saying all week long, it's a walk in the park. Walk <laughs> in the park for the walk. Bengalis in Baltimore. Walk in the park is stretching What you it a said little bit. yesterday. I said that they defense, the Ravens' defense was miserable that's what i said and i think that the ravens Bengals game this week will play out a lot like they did the first time they met up i want it's, you to tell me what you're basing the ravens defense being terrible on beside a fourth quarter against miami two last the last no, last week here, against no, buffalo no 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 here. here's the point i'm making okay at the end of the day, the Baltimore defense against the Buffalo offense gave up 20 points in the game until the final second of the game. Yeah. So they give up 23 to Buffalo. I think if you went to every team in the NFL who has to play Buffalo and you said, all right, here's the deal. Your defense is only going to allow Buffalo 23 points. I think 10 out of 10 say, I'll take that right now. Okay? I would agree. So the Ravens held Buffalo to 23 points. In their other two games, they shut down the Jets. That's not saying a lot. They shut down New England. That's, you know, so-so. But it's one quarter. They held Miami to 14 points in three quarters. And that's when they laid an egg and everything blew up. And uh, they, they blow that huge lead to the Dolphins. But, Casey, what are you basing that on? <laughs> Listen, I'm just going to read some stuff off to you, right? Are you going to give me stats? I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a couple stats. Okay? All right, go ahead. In the second half, Baltimore has given up an NFL worst 1019 yards Again, wild, I would wild. bet I would bet 300 of that was against was against Miami. Okay. Talk well, to even, me, Casey. Even so, they allowed 67 points in the second half. This season Baltimore defenders have no, Let me jump no. in. I'm going to address each stat. Yeah, okay. How many points? 67 All right, points. 67. 
They allowed 28 of the 67 mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter against Miami. Yeah. So now you start chopping down some of these numbers now and take out the one outlier, that quarter. They gave okay? up they gave That up means you're in the Buffalo. 40s in three other games in the second half. Total. They, they gave up 17 against Buffalo. I understand that. And but then, again, I think everybody would say if you allowed Buffalo 17 points after giving up six in the first half, I think everybody would. But please, yeah, you yeah. have the stage. Okay, Go ahead. Okay. The Ravens' defense in the fourth quarter is giving opposing quarterbacks the best QBR rating at 88.6 and allowing five touchdowns and only allowing or only giving only getting two sacks in the fourth quarter. They've only had two sacks in the fourth quarter. So pretty much what I'm saying is the Ravens are inconsistent with how they start the game, right? Yes. Which is exactly the perfect formula for the Bengals. They usually start slow, which goes Which is the- right on Zach Taylor. Go ahead. Yeah, right on Zach Taylor. But they come out in the second half with the adjustments, with the improvements that they need to do in order to be successful later on in the second half. And the Ravens are just a terrible second half team. It's just it just makes sense that what's gonna that happen. That is a strong word, terrible second half team. They are, according to the numbers right now. You know, now I'm not into the whole metric saying and the whole uh, uh, analytics saying, but uh, we like to point out Andrew, one of our regulars following us on YouTube, says the Ravens are 30th in DVOA. Would anybody care to explain what DVOA is? I know it's a uh, metric based off of like, like per play, like how well they do per play. Okay, it's basically and, it's basically how you do per play against the league average. Okay, well they're thirtieth. Andrew points out it, it's one of it's one of the more well regarded defensive as as you would say like saber metrics in football. Yeah, and comparisons okay. one of the worst. Okay. You know, you try to learn something every day here. I, you know, look, look, I, for me, it's the eye test. And again, you take away the fourth quarter against Miami where the Ravens gave up 28 points, blew a 35-14 to 14 lead, which is almost impossible to do. But they did to Miami. Wouldn't that be an argument for the Bengals? You give up 17 points against Buffalo in the second half. I mean, the, I've, to me, those are both. It's not bad. Those are both arguments for, for the Bengals, not against or not for the Ravens. Those are like, why are they giving up that many points to Miami? Okay, but, he, but here's my question. And you're, you're correct. I mean, you know, you're correct. But here's the thing. Do you want to take your chances, as you pointed out earlier, the Bengals have been notoriously poor starters in the first half of games during the Zach Taylor era. They look a lot of games like they're not ready to play. Now, these last two weeks on offense, they've changed it up where they won the toss, they take the ball, they go down the field on the opening drive, they score a touchdown. So, you know, maybe it's starting to turn a little bit. You hope so. But I tell you one thing I, I, I wouldn't want is to take my chances of falling behind Baltimore in the first half by a decent-sized number and banking on all of a sudden you're going to come back and win the game late. 
Oh, no, I agree with that. That's that's why I'm saying it's going to be a lot like last season's first matchup where it was like 13 to 14 going into the half. I mean, it was close. This game's going to be close in the first half. And then when the second half, come, second half comes around, you're going to start seeing the league grow more in the Bengals' favor. That's just what happened last year. It's nothing against the Ravens. I just feel like we match up very well against them. And Bengals love prime time. Bengals love prime time, Tom. Yeah, after years and years where they couldn't buy a a prime time win. I always felt so bad for Marvin when we had to roll the ball out there and it was just another prime time loss. Do you remember that one years ago against the Patriots way, way, way back when? I think it was Monday Night Football. No. And the Patriots roll into town and – it's just, I mean, this is probably back in the mid-2000s. And it's just a classic Marvin Lewis primetime beatdown. Tough. Yeah. But here, you have to be at the bottom to get to the top. And I don't know if the Bengals are at the top, but at least in the primetime, it's not a miserable watching experience anymore. Well, it's not. It's not. And, uh, and look, they, they've played much better. You know, I always felt terrible. I mean, there was a part of me that felt terrible. I'm not, I'm not going to lie about this. I always felt terrible for Andy Dalton in the big game. Never won a playoff game. Prime time seemed like, you know, it just stuff just melted down immediately, immediately in most of those games uh, because he seems like such a, a good man. He and, does. And, and he won a lot of games in this town at quarterback. I think his first five years in a league, him and Flacco come in the same time. Both of them take their teams to the playoffs five straight years right out of the gate. I mean, there was a lot to like about Andy Dalton, but, man, uh, when they'd show up in those primetime games or in postseason games, it was embarrassing. Yeah, it was tough to watch. But the Ravens are a good primetime team, too. I don't want to take anything away yeah. from them. I just There's, uh, Both of you guys are beating down yeah. the Ravens. Andrew Andrew's making a lot of good statements here in the chat. Uh, just with the, the eye test alone, um, he gave up – the Ravens' defense gave up 300 yards to Joe Flacco and Mac Jones. Uh, that's – Good point. But also, at the same time, Ravens are 14-1 and in the last 15 primetime home games. But they've lost the last five home games straight. So, yeah. something may or may not give there on that. And just like you said, they, they're really good in primetime. So, I don't know, man. I, I just have a good feeling about this. That it's going to be a lot like week last, last year. And I think that was like week six or something like that. Where... They just come out back and forth, pretty good ball game up until like the fourth quarter where the Bengals are able to play on both sides of the football on offense. They're going to be able to run the football and throw the football. As long as it's not what we watched last night, that's all I care about. Yeah, agreed. Although last, last night's night game, terrible. hold on a second, hold on a second. I want to say something real quick about last night's game. Please do. Last night's Thursday night football game, and I know all of you that watched last night, we all did it. We all held hands. We all suffered through last night's game together. Last night's game was one of those games, Tom, where it's so bad in the beginning that you just want to rip your eyes out. But then eventually, it's like when you tell a bad joke, right? And you just keep telling the bad joke over and over and over and over again to the point where it becomes a shtick and an inside joke. And then eventually, you ride that roller coaster back up to the top and it's kind of funny again. Right. That's what happened last night where I tweeted with whatever it was, three or four minutes left in overtime when the uh, Broncos were right on the goal line and it was fourth and one. 
and you're saying to yourself, are they going to kick the field goal here? Or are they going to go for it on fourth down? And then, of course, they pass the ball with yep. Russell Wilson on fourth yep. and one. Yep. You got to kick that field goal and just end it in a tie and just give us all what we were rewarded for watching, which was a tie of a football game last night that for some reason the Colts won. That was that was two teams that deserved a tie in a terrible football game, which Broncos fans left before overtime started. I don't know if you saw that. Well, they, I did. They were tired flooding of out. I, would you, can you blame them? No, I mean, they're tired of watching what's going on. I mentioned in the monologue there, they've played three home games. And it's a phenomenal football town, Denver. I mean, unbelievable football town. Um, they've scored two touchdowns total <laughs> on offense in the three games at home so far this year, and they had such high hopes. We said on this program, when all the odds came out, that Denver and the L.A. Chargers both had better odds to win the AFC championship to the Bengals than the Bengals. We said it was a complete farce. And so far... That is 100% accurate. Total farce. Um, okay, we got Paul Doherty coming up right after the break. Going to talk about, you know, the Reds getting rid of all these coaches, and we're going to talk about the Bengals a little bit. So stick around for that. This is Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. All right, welcome back to Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. We're joined a couple of times a week, gratefully so. To be joined as it's made the comeback since his retirement, themorningline.substack.com, the author, legendary sports columnist here in Cincinnati for over 35 years, Paul Doherty. Doc, you got the lid going this morning. TML, the morning line. I mean, now you got your merchandise going. You got to promote the product, right? You better believe it. You better believe it. Hey, um, I, I want to ask you a little bit about, first of all, welcome back from your, your, your little getaway. I know you were writing about it in the morning line. I read it the other day, yeah. themorningline.substack.com. You had great weather. You went up to Michigan, and, uh, and it sounds like you had a wonderful time. Never, never been to the peninsula, lower or upper. We went to the lower peninsula, in an area close to Traverse City. Fabulous, Tom. If you've never been there, I recommend it. The only... The only drawback is it's so far away. Uh, it was seven and a half hours, and you're barely scratching the surface by the time you get to Traverse City. But the weather was great. Uh, the views were fantastic. Um, highly recommended. I mean, you even drew an analogy to uh, Cape Cod. Yeah, Saugatuck, which is a little town up on, uh, on the way up there, looked a lot like Cape Cod, and I spent a lot of time there. Uh, when I was a kid, and again, I took my kids to Cape Cod, so uh, I know what each looks like, and yeah, it looks, it looks a lot like that, except not as crowded. Yeah, oh, of course, yeah. Um, I want to start with the Reds. I mentioned a little while ago, and in another uh, one of your morning line columns, talked about your love and, and just pure enjoyment of the game of baseball. I, I think to quote, you know, uh, what, what you had in your column about, and, and you've referenced this many times, sitting out on the back porch, having a cold beer, having a cigar, listening to baseball on radio. Um, I don't know how many people besides you and a handful of others are still doing that kind of thing, to be honest with you, but I, I know there are some out there. Um, what are your overall thoughts about where the Reds are and what they do now? Um, boy, Tom, how much time do you have? I, yeah, well, we got plenty. I, I, I think they, they have locked their fans into one of two positions. 
they're not going to spend a lot of money, period, end of story. So if you're a fan, you either do what they ask you to do, which is have patience, let the rebuild progress uh, as we hope it will, or, or you stop being a, 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 an invested fan. That's it. Either you say, you know, I, I love this team so much that uh, I, I'm willing to be patient because I don't have a choice, or I, I, I in fact, do have a choice, and that is to, to uh, not to follow them, at least uh, with your heart. Do, do what, what I suggested that I've done with the Pirates, who I love for 55 years of my 64 years on the planet, but drop them. When the Pirates traded... Uh, Three really good kids, Tyler Glass now, uh, Austin Meadows, and Shane Baz, to Tampa Bay about three years ago for a pitcher named Chris Archer. I, I, I'd had it. I, I, that was it for me. And I, I literally stopped following them that day and have never looked back. And my experience, as I wrote the other day, my experience with baseball has benefited from not being mad all the time about the Pirates. So that's an option if you're a Reds fan. If, on the other hand, you love this team and and have always loved it, grew up and loving them and, and so on and so forth, stay with them. But stay with them knowing that you're going to see a lot more pain for at least another year before things have a chance to turn around. You know, it wasn't even 48 hours after the Reds lose their 100th game of the season, only the second time in the history of the franchise. That's over 140 years of baseball where the team lost – a uh, hundred games or more in a season and the general manager who we've talked about on this show Nick Kroll who I think across the board most people feel uh, if given the chance would do a very good job as a major league baseball general manager he gets high praise from a lot of people outside of the Cincinnati Reds organization now what he can and can't do you know look his hands can be tied by budgets just like the rest of us but he comes right out and basically says uh, it was humiliating. It's embarrassing. We lose 100. But next year, we're not going to change much as far as our uh, payroll is concerned and the direction of the franchise is concerned about trying to be much better. Is that a good message right out of the gate a couple of days after playing offense, a good offense? Uh, you know, the best defense is a good offense? Well, it's the only message. It's the only message. If you're going to go full bore into the rebuild, which they have done ever since the All-Star break, uh, kind of made it official, uh, then yeah. You know, the, the fans here are smart, Tom. They're, they're, you, know, you can't BS a fan base like the Reds fan base. If, if you intend to, to do the rebuild completely, then do it. Uh, it it's better, I, hopefully, for, for Reds fans in the long run to do it this way than the way they've tried to do it in the past, which was piecemeal it, which obviously hadn't worked. So, sure, uh, if this is what you're doing, be upfront about it and stick to it. I always find it curious when coaches get fired. And, and, and look, I had a chance to broadcast Major League Baseball games for 33 years, uh, and we've all seen it. doesn't matter what franchise you follow or don't follow. You have a season like the Reds had – you blow out nearly the entire coaching staff. Uh, even some guys that are behind-the-scenes guys uh, have been blown out in the last 48 hours, and, and I don't mean to say that in a tongue-in-cheek way. I'm sorry when anybody loses their job. Uh, those jobs are very important to those guys and their families. Um, but 
you know, in the Reds' case, Derek Johnson, who is coming back as pitching coach, they basically have given him carte blanche to establish his pitching philosophy. It starts at the major league level, and then it trickles all the way down to the very lowest levels of the minor leagues down to rookie ball. From an offensive standpoint, uh, Alan Zinter is gone uh, on the heels of just a couple of years ago firing a hitting coach. And I, I know you've talked about it. I wonder what their direction is from an offensive standpoint now moving forward. Well, I'm not, I'm not smart enough to, to, to tell anybody whether those guys deserve to be fired or retained or, or whatever. I, I simply don't know. I mean, you can look at the numbers and see that they're not that great, but you can look at the injuries too, and, and they played a part. My, my concern is that whoever they hire, Tom, will be their fourth hitting coach in five years. Uh, they had Don Long. They replaced him for a year with Turner Ward. They replaced Turner Ward uh, with that, with Alan Zinter, and now they'll have another guy. Um, Turner Ward was a big launch angle proponent. You know, he wanted to hit a lot of home runs. We play in this little park. Let's take advantage of it. Let's swing from the heels and so on. Uh, Zinter came in. It was more in line with Nick Kroll's philosophy, which let, let's hit the ball where it's pitched. Let, let's go with line drives. Uh, and now I, I have no idea what the philosophy is. The new guy, they don't have him yet. So my concern is not necessarily that they're firing coaches. Those guys get fired all the time. Uh, my, my concern is that they find a plan, a way to do things and stay with it, not only at the major league level, but as you said, what they've done with pitching with Johnson at every level. Start your guys from the day they, they, they walk off the bus in, um, you know, wherever the date, I don't know, Daytona, I guess. They still have a team, Dayton, whatever. But their, their first place as, as a red all the way to the major league, teach the same things emphasize the same things there, there should be a so-called reds way in the same fashion that there is a cardinals way and, and we haven't seen that here and now they're going with their fourth hitting coach in five years i you know maybe we still won't see it and that to me that's a concern and for the record turner ward is now the assistant hitting coach for the st louis cardinals just yeah they, the they can hit the ball oh, yeah they yeah, can hit the ball they uh, Bengals this weekend, Sunday night, prime time. We talked a little while ago about how those prime time games and postseason games used to be a nightmare for this franchise. That's starting to turn. Um, this game against Baltimore, now look, I know it's only the fifth game of the season. Both teams come in at 2-2, two and two, but it has the feel of a big-time game. You agree? Sure. I mean, it's a big, it's a big division game. There's a huge difference between – two and three and three and two, and especially in this division. I, I think what they need to find more than anything is is a little consistency. I, I think the play calling has not been good. Uh, there, there are some stats that say that when the bank, when, uh, when, when um, they're in a shotgun, when Burrow is in the shotgun, uh, they, they throw the ball 75% of yep. the time when he's behind center they run it say whatever it, it, it's a tell an obvious tell uh they're 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 not mixing up their their play calling very well and they have no running game i mean no running game um and i i don't know why that is it's probably a combination of things again i'm not smart enough to sit here and tell you exactly why and for four games or at least the past three the Bengals haven't been either so 
I, I think what they need to do, and this is not a great Baltimore team by any stretch. It's certainly not a vintage Ravens defense. I mean, they, they tore up the Ravens twice last year when, when most of the defense, especially the, the defensive, the secondary, was hurt. They got most of those guys back this year, and they're still getting up a ton of points. They blew two, two second-half leads. I think one was 17 and one was 21 in the first month. So they're not that great. It's upon the Bengals now to show that, that they can mix it up a little on offense, keep people guessing as to what they might be doing, um, keep, uh, keep teams from putting eight in the box whenever Burroughs lands right by, you know, sets up right behind center, and, and somehow get this running game, whether it means using Pirine and Evans more, uh, whatever they want to do, they, they, they can't keep uh, doing, you know, two yards in a cloud of Joe Mixon. Mm-hmm. You know, Chris, I think maybe Collins, the, you know hey, Chris Collinsworth good- was our guest. Chris Collinsworth was our guest here on Wednesday for an extended interview. One of the questions I asked him, and, and obviously he travels all around the league, sees all the top teams every single week for, you know, however long now, forever now. Uh, and I asked him just philosophically about head coaches who are play callers. And I went back just to double check this because I know that, that Andy Reid is asked about this a lot in Kansas City. Is Andy Reid calling the plays? Andy Reid swears up one side and down the other that Eric Bieniemy calls all the plays. Now, Andy Reid can weigh in, of course. I mean, it's his job on the line. But Collinsworth made the point that he does not think it is a good thing. There are too many other things a head coach needs to be thinking of. Too much happening. You know, you got 40 seconds to get plays in. You're wondering, are we going to go? If this is a third down, okay, are we going to go on fourth? You're thinking about all of these things going on and that it's not conducive to uh, offensive success with the head coach as the play caller. Yeah, I, I, did, I agree with that. Although I, you look at how the, <clears throat> the Bengals did offensively last year, especially in the second half of the year, and it's, it's tough to make that case here. Uh, ha- however, I, I mean, I, I just think that, that generally speaking, your head coach is the CEO on game day. Uh, you have hired other people to do the, 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 the job that he is doing. Be, uh, manage the game. Um, control the, the challenges. Understand uh, the situations. Um, that's a lot on your plate without having to decide, well, what, what do we call on, on third and four? You know, um, I've never been a big proponent of, of a head coach calling his own plays, especially a younger guy uh, like Zach Taylor, who's kind of still still learning the ropes and, and can get schooled by, by older coaches who have been around and who are not burdened by having to call their own plays. Well, we'll see what happens on uh, Sunday night. Uh, again, that's on NBC, 8 o'clock kickoff. Doc, I know you'll be up late watching and writing all about it. You posted after the Thursday night game. So am, am I going to be able to check in on the morningline.substack.com and have your opinions and thoughts right after the game is over? i got to wait till the next day. Uh, chances are good you'll have to wait till the next day. <laughs> Try to get it up by, by, uh, between 10 and noon every day. Uh, I don't know that I'm going to be writing. I, I, I wrote last week until whatever it was, 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, and, and I kind of wrecked the whole week, right? I mean, yeah. the old, us older guys, we older guys need some sleep every Amen. once in a while. So, Amen. If um, you can't prob- sleep. Probably noon the next day. All right. Good enough. Doc, thanks for the time, man. Have a great weekend.
You bet, Tom. Thank you. You betcha. Great to have Paul Dockerty. The morning line.substack.com. Uh, it's easy. You jump on there. Uh, you, you know, you, 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 a couple clicks here and there, and then it's sent to your email every, every single uh, time it's posted. And his stuff has been great forever, and we're lucky to have him on uh, at least twice a week uh, to weigh in on what's going on, all sports Cincinnati, uh, and other things, life issues. Uh, You have the Bearcats at home. We have our bash that starts for the first time. i got to be careful how I say that. You say there's a legal problem with that, right, Casey? Yes, there is a legal problem with that. Do you know what that is? I just can't use – we can't use their name. So bash is fine. The bash is fine. The red red and black bash, whatever you want to call it. Okay. But the chatterbox bash. And that's a good one, chatterbox bash. And that is tomorrow – Starting at 10 o'clock in the morning, it's going to be for, I believe we've decided every UC home football game, right? Well, this year, I think we're just doing this one for this year to test to make sure, test the water, see if you guys like it. And if you guys come and there's a big party, then we'll do it over and over. So just to be clear, we will be there setting up at 10 o'clock. People will actually be allowed to be inside the gates and purchase beer and everything starting at 11. Okay, so 11 o'clock. So 11 to 10 is the official hours. 11 is when DJE train and the tailgate start. Noon is when the Mercy Health, the the bash, Mercy Health is is the sponsor yeah. of it. Um, that noon is when everything will, like our show, our programming for the two hours leading up to the game with Tony Pike, Brandon Seho, that's when that will all start. There will be a watch party for the game. We'll have our Jumbotron back behind the stage. That which, is, can, which is like having a TV in your living room. I think it's a 17 by 21 foot video board. Right. And uh, so you can watch the game there. Um, and then after the game, come back. It's We'll still run from 6 to 10, and we'll have more football on there. Dana Beers and Glenny Balls from Barstool will both be there. Uh, and, uh, yeah, like I said, Leonard Stokes, James White. Um, and, and Leonard Stokes, the old basketball player? Yeah. yeah. Boy, he was a hell of a player. Yeah. He was really good. Yeah. Potentially so some more. chime yeah. in, right? Potentially some more guys, too. We're still working on uh, ironing out a few more guys to see if, if they can show up. But Leonard and James, for sure, and Brandon and Tony. And Is Brian you- Kelly coming in for that? <laughs> I don't know about that. Good homecoming? <laughs> hey, they got a big game How this about, weekend. Yeah, We're going to be making our say. picks later on. But, I mean – you know, they lost that first game of the year, uh, and, and they really, you know, sort of let it get away from them against Florida State. They, they, they rallied late, and then, you know, still a lot going on. But now, all of a sudden, they've ripped off four wins in a row, and they play in the Bayou this weekend against number eight, surprising number eight, Tennessee. I, I like Tennessee a lot. I really like Tennessee. So that's your pick. Uh, I haven't really dove into that game. No, but if you had to make that, one, that would be your – what's the spread next? Yeah. Uh, I haven't, honest, honest to God, I have not even looked at that game. We didn't even. How does a guy who does a gambling show not able to tell me what the line to is be on complete, LSU and Tennessee? To be completely honest, Tom, to be very transparent with you, I have a family wedding tomorrow, and <laughs> uh, and uh, I will be out of commission all day long. So I did not dive as deep into tomorrow's spreads as 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 deeply as I usually do. Tennessee is minus three, over under is sixty five. And by the way, we didn't even – I don't know why we didn't put this as one of the games to pick. Should I go ahead and just add it in there real quick? You want to add it in there? I, I feel like we, we I think should. we should. Go this ahead. is the, maybe one of the better games of the weekend. Go ahead. We'll go ahead and add it. 
We'll yeah, add it, and that is a um, is that a night game tomorrow? No, night? no, it's a no. Noon. That's a, a high noon game. High noon. Well, there's a couple great games. How about the lineup at noon tomorrow? Yeah, right. You got Michigan, Indiana. I mean, that, you know, for fans around here, they, 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 that's fine. Tennessee at LSU at noon. Texas, Oklahoma used to be a great game. It'll be a great atmosphere. But Quinn Ewers is coming back for Texas. Uh, it looks like, and then. Uh, yeah, that's a good start at noon. Tennessee and Kansas. TCU, Kansas. Kansas. Yeah, that's what Tennessee, I was saying. TCU, LSU. Kansas. That's the game. That's yeah. the game. TCU. And then that leads off. Oh, Horn Frogs. <laughs> My main man, Sonny Dykes. I'll be down there to watch them play um, Kansas State in a few weeks, and we'll see where they stand then. Yeah. Because I mean, they've got Kansas. Then they have. Oklahoma State at Ooh, home. That's a tough game. Who's undefeated. Yep. Number seven right now. But TCU is the number two ranked offense in the country. Incidentally, Kansas is the 10th ranked offense in the country. So that game tomorrow in Lawrence could be a big-time shootout and a lot of fun to watch. All right, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk more about UC uh, and the Bengals with Dan Horde, the outstanding radio play-by-play voice for both. The Bearcats and the Bengals, that's right around the corner on Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. All right, we're back on Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. We're uh, grateful to be joined by the radio voice of both the University of Cincinnati Bearcats and uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, Mr. Dan Horde, setting up shop from home, gets to uh, stay at home tonight, tomorrow, get to Baltimore, little breathing room with that 820 game. On uh, Sunday night, so Danny, hopefully no stress this weekend for you. I wish that were the case, Tom, but once again, no good (laughs) flights leaving Saturday night out of Cincinnati for either Baltimore or Washington. Thankfully, with the Sunday night game, I've got plenty of time to get there on Sunday. I am taking a 5.25 a.m. direct flight Sunday morning to Baltimore. So I will get to Baltimore, crash for a little while, and be ready to go. Is that on Southwest Airlines, that flight? It is. Yeah, you know, I, I, I used to take – I've taken those flights to Baltimore a lot with our son traveling there frequently to play lacrosse. And uh, I always found it was great. Uh, now, for a night game, it's not. But, you know, you, you could go into Baltimore uh, whenever you go in. But there's a Sunday night direct flight that comes back here at like 9.30, 10 o'clock at night, which is always a nice option to have. But that's neither here nor there because I don't know how many people outside of this weekend from Cincinnati are going to Baltimore. Um, Let's start with the UC Bearcats. Uh, They've won their last four, scoring over 30 a game. Ben Bryant starting to come together. The run game, the combination they've got going on there. Uh, The way they've been running the football here lately anyway with Charles McClellan and Corey Kiner. Um, you got to feel you got to feel good about the way the offense is moving, and the defense has been solid pretty much all year long. The defense has been great. I think the thing that's looking up is the running game, Tom, because two games ago Cincinnati had 40 rushing yards on 30 carries. That's not going to cut it. Last week they had more than 220 rushing yards. Now, if you look at the stats, I think it was 180 something because sacks count against rushing yards in college football. But in terms of the actual running game, it was over 220. Corey Kiner had his first 100 yard game as a Bearcat. 
he had a 52-yard run. McClellan had a 60-yard run. If they get that out of the running game, knowing how well Ben Bryant can throw the ball, they're going to be a handful for anybody they play. And look, Danny, you know, uh, you've talked about it in the past, um, that Luke Fickle, generally speaking, has liked to have one kind of primary back. They had Ford the last couple of years, who was an outstanding player. Um, but look, uh, look no further than up the road in Columbus, right? I mean, you got Travion Henderson, who's been nicked up this year. He was a preseason first-team All-American. The kid from Winton Woods, Mayan Williams, steps in there, and now he looks like the best back in the country. There's nothing wrong with having two guys and, and not necessarily having to settle, for lack of a better term, on one guy, right? Right. I do think there are situations in games where Luke Fickle will always prefer having a guy that he can count on to get the tough yard, and I think Corey Kiner is emerging as that guy. But that doesn't mean that Charles McClellan is going to go away or that we won't see more of Ryan Montgomery now that he's back from his bruised ribs or even Miles Montgomery, who was the second guy in in the season opener against Arkansas. They've all got talent. I think they're all going to get touches, but I do think – in his heart, Luke Fickle wants to have the guy that he trusts the most when the game is on the line and he needs to get a tough yard. And I still think that's going to ultimately be Corey Kiner. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about South Florida a little bit. They're the opponent. It's homecoming weekend. Uh, now, they've struggled a little bit over the last couple of weeks. But for those that maybe don't follow, they came very close to knocking off at the time a ranked Florida Gators team. I mean, they were like a 24-point underdog, and they get beat by three. Their schedule has been lights out. I mean, you got to give it up to them for that. Out of conference, right? I mean, they've played Florida. They've played BYU, uh, who's ranked in the top 25. I just wonder if those games didn't beat them up a little bit. What do you think? Not sure about that in terms of injuries. They've got a few injuries. It doesn't seem like it's a roster that's racked with injuries or anything like that. But I do think that the Florida game was a very impressive performance. They lost by three points in the swamp. I don't care how good Florida is in any given year. That's impressive. And the thing to remember about USF is that their quarterback, Gary Bohannon, was the starting quarterback for Baylor last year. Baylor won the Big 12. Baylor beat Ole Miss in the Orange Bowl. This guy was the quarterback, but he didn't transfer right away. He went through spring ball at Baylor. The head coach told him that he was going to lose the starting job because they just have another really talented quarterbacks. So at the end of spring ball, he transfers to USF. He gets you know a month or so in fall camp to get accustomed to the offenses to and to his teammates. So it's going to take a little bit for that guy to play the way he's capable of playing. But now that we've reached game six, I think Gary Bohannon is legit. USF always has speedy weapons. They've got a great running back in Brian Batty. So even though the record is one in four, I am not chalking this up as an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. Well, the thing about Bohannon, we saw it last year, as you pointed out, with Baylor. I mean, this guy can throw it. He can also run it. And so, you know, there, there's always that danger when you have – a quarterback, an opposing quarterback who can do those kinds of things. But, Danny, you brought it up earlier. This team lost so much, this team being UC, lost so much on defense last year. Guys drafted in the NFL and, and starting in the NFL and first-round picks in the NFL and, you know, all over the place. And you and I talked before the Arkansas game uh, about replacing those players. Clearly, they've done a great job recruiting uh, on both sides of the ball. 
But are you surprised at how well they are playing on defense this quickly with so many new faces? Yes, I'm surprised by how much havoc they have been able to uh, wreck so far this year. They're number one in the nation in sacks. They're number one in the nation in tackles for loss. I didn't see that. In fact, my biggest question going into the season was going to be about the pass rush because they lost my Jay Sanders. They lost Curtis Brooks. But the pass rush has been even better uh, despite losing six draft picks off that defense, plus Joel DeBlanco, who is an NFL caliber player. So the coaching staff has done a phenomenal job. I think we've talked about Ivan Pace and the impact that yep. he's made every week that we've done one of these hits. Uh, he's been phenomenal, but it hasn't just been him. Uh, last week in having 11 sacks at Tulsa, 10 different guys had at least a half a sack. So that's amazing stuff. Uh, let's shift gears to uh, the Bengals. Two and two, Ravens two and two. They outscored Baltimore last year in the two meetings, 82 to 38, I think it was. Uh, one game Lamar Jackson played, one game Lamar Jackson did not play. Uh, I think all of us agree across the board, those numbers are great, but that Baltimore may have been uh, the most injured team in the NFL last year, both on offense and defense. What are your initial thumbnail, you know, sketch of, of, of where, uh, where both teams are coming into this game? Can Cincinnati do the job against Lamar that they did the one time that they played him last year? He did not play, as you noted, in the second game. That was at Paycor Stadium. But the first time around at M&T Bank Stadium, they shut him down. And he was removed uh, at the beginning of the fourth quarter in that game, which I never thought we would see in a game between the Bengals and the Ravens, unless the Ravens were way ahead. So it was a, fre a refreshing change after he had gone 5-0 and in his first five starts against the Bengals to see them dominate that meeting. So I think Lou Anarumo came up with a good formula. He has to tweak it. You can't do the same thing twice in a row. The Ravens are obviously going to make changes as well. But can they have a similar level of success against Lamar as they did in that game in Baltimore last year? If so, I think the Bengals win the game. Um, you know, much is made, and, and Dan, you and I have talked about this, uh, speaking of Lou Anarumo, and he, he, he's been frequently asked, after Hill was so impressive at safety during the preseason, he played great. He might have been their best defensive player for the preseason. How much stock you put in that? Look, you know, everybody's different in that regard. But he was a rookie. He's put on the field in the preseason. He looks great. He's very fast. He's very athletic. Britt comes back now as another member of the secondary. Looks like he is healthy. Sometimes coaches have to make personnel changes based on the personnel on the other side of the ball. And so what I'm getting at here is, do you suspect at all we see either of those guys on the field in certain situations this week that, 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 that have not been on the field for one reason or another uh, in the weeks leading up to Sunday night? Dax Hill, yes. Cam Taylor Britt, no. So Cam Taylor Britt has been activated to practice. He's not on the active roster yet. You have 21 days when a guy comes off uh, IR to activate him to the 53-man roster. That hasn't happened yet. I don't think it's going to happen for Sunday's game, but we'll see. But I do think Dax Hill gets more opportunities this week. The Bengals are going to try a variety of approaches to limit Lamar. And one thing that they did last year in that win was use three safeties. 
Uh, so I do think that they're going to have some three safety looks. And I think Dax Hill probably gets more snaps than he's been getting so far this year. Will it be a ton? No, they're not going to take Jesse Bates out to put Dax Hill in as long as Jesse is healthy or Von Bell. But I do think that Dax probably gets more opportunities this week than he's had so far. And it adds an interesting twist to the game because Justice Hill, the Ravens running back, is his older older brother. Mm -hmm. So Dax Hill might be in the role of trying to tackle his older bro in the game on Sunday night, which would be kind of cool. That's good stuff. I mean, you can't beat that if if you're in their family or friends. It doesn't get any better than that. Um, I know it's happened before. It seems like it got a lot more pub this time because of the struggles in the run game where Joe Mixon, uh, on his own, decides to gather the offensive line uh, and the offensive staff to look at film, to talk about what's not working in the run game. Um, You know, as it pertains to this particular meeting, um, what are your what are your thoughts? What have you heard about how that went? And, and do you suspect it's going to change anything? I do. I don't know if it'll be overnight, but I do think Joe Mixon. You know, he's as frustrated as anybody. Of the top fifty rushers in the NFL, he's dead last in yards per carry at two point seven. He averages four point one per yards. Uh, per carry in his career. So there's been a big drop off there. He wants to fix it. And I I don't see any negative in him calling for a meeting with all of his offensive linemen and tight ends and saying, hey, let's watch the tape together. You tell me what you see. I'll tell you what I'm seeing. Let's figure out how we can tweak this and get better. And I think the thing that gives Joe a lot of confidence is his third NFL season and Zach Taylor's first year as the Bengals head coach when the running game was atrocious, even worse than it's been so far this year in the first eight games of that season. On the flight to London, they famously scrapped what they had been doing, tried to change their approach to the running game. They went to a different style of running game. And in the second half of the season, he ran for more than 800 yards. So we've seen this movie before. I think that's why Joe Mixon isn't panicked. But they have to get it fixed because for the Bengals to start putting 30 points on the board, which they haven't done now in nine games, they've not had a 30 point performance in their last nine games. They've got to get some balance. They can't just drop back, expose Joe Burrow to a bunch of hits and expect that they're going to be the kind of offense that we all know they can be. Yeah. All right, Dan, we have all kinds of folks that are online on uh, YouTube and, and streaming our show and every one of them scream every week at me, asking you to make predictions on games. Now, some people are comfortable making predictions. Others, I I, I didn't do it because, hell, what do I know? But uh, are you in the prediction business? And if so, do you have any predictions for the two games you will be on the mic for this weekend? Well, keep in mind that I'm employed by by these (laughs) That's why I asked. Yeah. In UC's case, I'm actually a technically employee of iHeartMedia. In the Bengals' case, they do sign my check. So uh, it'd be awfully uncomfortable for me to pick against those teams. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I can genuinely tell you that I think UC will win against USF, particularly at home where they're looking for their 30th consecutive win. And I feel good about the Bengals this week. Uh, The fact that they went to Baltimore and were so dominant last year I think really helps them going into the game on Sunday night. It's a tough place to play. I think the game atmosphere there is as good as any in the NFL. It's going to be rocking. The music is great. They do a great game day presentation, uh, going back to Ray Lewis and his dance uh, back in the day. 
But I feel good about the way they're trending. And I'll say this. Uh, how about Joe Burrow in primetime games? During the Andy Dalton era, we all bemoan the fact that he never seemed to rise to the occasion mm -hmm. when the spotlight was brightest. And the numbers bear it out. I did the research yesterday. Andy played in 28 playoff or primetime games in his has played in 28 playoff or primetime games in his NFL career. His teams are six and 22 in the playoffs with the Bengals. He threw one touchdown pass and six interceptions. The numbers bear it out. He just did not play well in those games. So far, Joe Burrow is five and two in primetime and playoff games. 12 touchdown passes, two interceptions, a passer rating of 102.3. I like Joe's ability to uh, rise to the occasion. I think he does it on Sunday night again. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right, Danny. Uh, you know, I was thinking driving in today before I let you go. Um, if you're fortunate enough to broadcast for a, a, a college team, in your case with UC, pro team, doesn't matter the sport. You know, it, it, some of the things that, you, you, you know, maybe as you're driving down the road, you reflect on sometimes. And I was thinking about you today um, about how things have changed for both of the teams that you broadcast for. Now, the Bengals had a nice run of it there, you know, for a while under Marvin, making the playoffs. Yes, failures in the playoffs, as you just pointed out. Nonetheless, good teams, exciting teams, so on and so forth. But, but for UC um, – the consecutive winning streak in the conference, the consecutive winning streak at home, every game now is a sellout. I mean, before Luke Fickle and when Tommy Tuberville was still hanging around, uh, the difference between then and now in a not-so-long period of time is amazing, isn't it? It is, but we don't have to go back that far to remember similar achievements under Brian Kelly. Uh, so the program dipped, right. no question about it. But we saw that turnaround really start with Mark D'Antonio and Brian Kelly and going to the Orange Bowl and the Sugar Bowl in back-to-back -back years. I'll never forget being at the Orange Bowl, the 2008 season. Did you do that game, Tom? I did. I did, yeah. Okay. So I'll never forget being in the press box, just getting ready to sign on the air for the 2008 Orange Bowl. And just looking at Jim Kelly, my longtime broadcast partner who has been in involved with UC Athletics forever, and he was on the verge of tears because neither of us could believe that as the radio voices of the University of Cincinnati football team, we were about to do an Orange Bowl. And then a year later, it was the Sugar Bowl. And now in the last two years, the Peach Bowl and the Cotton Bowl. So there was a point not that long ago that all of this stuff seemed impossible. Uh, but these great coaches and the players that they have 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 made it very possible. And they're going to take it to the next level going forward in the Big 12. So it is unbelievable. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Danny, enjoy the weekend. Uh, I know you're grateful for every second for the chance to do these games. And, uh, and I know you'll knock it out of the ballpark. Good luck, young man, over the weekend. Be careful. Thanks, buddy. I am grateful. Greatest gig in the world. I'm very appreciative to have these opportunities. So thanks for having me on. Absolutely. We thank Dan Hoare. That was a last-second ask for Dan. He comes on with us every week, and that was uh, my fault. I didn't want to text him last night too late. You know, you never know how late you can send people messages, that kind of thing. Um, and mighty kind of him to come on uh, in such short notice. Gentlemen, we are getting close to that magical time. That magical time of the week. My favorite time of the week, Tom. Magical, magical indeed.
And that would be our picks of the week. So the, for those of you that are just tuning into the program for the first time, literally hundreds by the day checking in, hundreds more checking in by the day and downloading uh, a podcast. Podcast numbers through the roof. Through the roof. Love it. And we thank all of you. We really do. I sincerely mean that. And uh, we, we, we would ask you to share uh, your thoughts with us uh, when we're streaming or uh, share the show with your friends or your family members. Hey, check it out. You know, maybe they like it, maybe they don't. But we're doing our best. But one thing we do every week is we, we generally pick about five, six college games. And, 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 you know, there's a group there that's always involved their game every single week. So we always have on the college side, UC, Ohio State, Kentucky, and The Ohio University. Then we sprinkle around, as Paul likes to say. We'll sprinkle around after that. Um, pros, we do the AFC North every week. Everybody in it. So, you know, we've got Bengals v. Ravens, Steelers at Buffalo, Brownies at home to the Chargers. And then we find, again, sprinkle around, top two or three other games that are out there that many of you might want to watch or have interest in. Um, it's safe to say that yours truly a little slow out of the gate, but, 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 but it's like in the distance when you're on the prairie and you're somewhere out in Montana and all of a sudden you hear this rumbling starting and, and, and you're wondering what will you or say, you know, better yet, better yet, you're in Colorado because that's a louder rumble. And all of a sudden you're wondering what's going on and you turn around and you see this dust and this dirt up in the air in the distance. And here come these buffaloes in mass, storming, straight ahead, power, speed. That's where I am in this picking. Started slow, but I'm like that herd of buffalo that you can hear and you can see and you can sense and you can feel down the road coming to get you. And I'm coming to get Casey and Brandon. We're doing our picks coming up next. All right. It's that time. You're watching Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. So Brandon is not in studio today. He is at a very important function. We talked about the launching of the Joe Burrow Foundation oh, a couple of days ago. What's that mean? Let's, let's, let's keep details private here. Private. I mean, you're all dressed up and you're at some function. People are wondering what the hell is going on. You're, all, you're, you're normally sitting back here in a T-shirt and a Red Bull or whatever yeah. it is you're drinking <laughs> yeah, over there. It doesn't look like no or ham and eggs. Or Light. I mean, what am I supposed to say? Uh, I'm at a coffee shop for some meetings. Let's just go with that. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Well, good luck on them. Uh, unlike hey, with your picks this coming week, I'm not wishing you luck there. Are you ready to go, Mr. Seho? I'm so ready. People at this coffee shop probably have no idea what I'm talking about, but that's fine. That's okay. Um, Casey, are you ready? I am as ready as I'll ever be. And Paul, uh, are you going to be basically uh, critiquing our picks as we move along? Would you be kind enough to do so? Since you have your own gambling show here on Chatterbox Sports, not too picky. I would love to. Nothing would make me happier. Let's rock and roll, fellas. All right, let's rock and roll. We right. tee it up on the college front. Games tomorrow. We just uh, heard from Dan Horde about the UC Bearcats. Winners of four in a row. Now ranked number 24 in the country. They should be higher than that when you look at the teams ahead of them. 
But South Florida comes in 1-4. We talked about they're out of conference schedule. They played against Florida, nearly pulled off the upset. They played against BYU. Uh, so, look, you know, coming to Cincinnati is not going to be some uh, huge, overwhelming deal uh, at sold-out Nippert Stadium tomorrow afternoon at 2.30 kick. Um, I am going – I've changed my mind. Okay. After doing a little more research, I have shifted gears to the South Florida Bulls at 27 and a half. That's too big of a number for me. Uh, way too big of a number. Uh, I would not be surprised if you see covered, but I'm, for the first time all year long, not betting on them covering. Casey? Yeah, uh, I am actually picking USF as well. Um, I just think that the spread is too much. And it was really close last year, 45 to 28. I mean, they, they, they put up some points on them, but Florida's just been able to stick in there with some of those teams this year. So I'm, I'm picking – I'm picking USF. We're getting the double thumbs down naturally for the UC Bearcat <laughs> alum, Brandon Seho. I almost picked South Florida here, but I couldn't do it. The Bearcat Bash is happening tomorrow on Short Vine. The crowd's going to be crazy because of Chatterbox Sports. Me and Tony Piker host, and a bunch of great guests are coming in, some Bearcat legends. UC is going to crush the Bulls by 27 and a half and then some. We've been talking a lot about the bash i'm told brandon and by the way all legal uh pursuers uh in this whole thing about the name can contact brandon seho uh, <laughs> that was not casey that was not paul that was not me it's the bash that starts tomorrow on short vine you and tony pike and company will be there yeah, okay some cores lights yes indeed and now we move on to the ohio state university buckeyes they are favored at East Lansing, Michigan. It, think back to one year ago and my how times have changed. I was in Columbus last year when Michigan State came in, ranked fourth or fifth in the country, undefeated. Ohio State uh, was undefeated. And Ohio State wins it. I mean, it, it was just stupid, like, you know, 52 to 7 or something. It was just unbelievable what a route it was. Uh, and my, oh, my, how fortunes have changed for Michigan State. They give Mel Tucker this enormous contract, which for the life of me, I don't get it. I, I think he did a great job last year. They won their bowl game. They won 11 games. But you don't have to give a guy that kind of contract uh, in just his third season and his first good year. Um, but they did. And they've lost three in a row. They're not playing well. Spreads 27. Ohio State's rolling. I think this is Buckeyes in a landslide. They cover the 27 easy. Yeah, and I would have to agree with you as well, Tom, that uh, Michigan State is um, struggling quite a bit. They've uh, lost three in a row, and I'm just looking here. I mean, they lost to Minnesota 34-7. Yeah, Minnesota's good, though. Yeah, and so is OSU, so that just yeah. makes the minus 27 that, yeah. that much more reasonable to me. Yeah. So. And uh, you're, you're, you're rowing on that same boat? Rowing the boat for Minnesota, who beat Michigan State. Ohio State's going to win by, like, 40. Okay. Yeah, tough thing about this one is the total's at 65. And you look back at last year's game, it was 56-7. to seven. That doesn't even get you there at 63. It was 49 to nothing at halftime. I know. So. I, they called off the dogs. I was yeah. there. They could have scored 80 in that game. All right, let's rock and roll. SC and Kentucky. Okay. Uh, I think Kentucky – 
should be undefeated. I think anybody who watched that game against Ole Miss last weekend would come away and say that Kentucky was the better team. But the Wildcats did not win the game. They fumbled twice inside the red zone late in the fourth quarter, and they lose for the first time this year. Six and a half. I'm a little surprised that that line is not a little higher. So the wise guys know something, but I'm taking UK in Lexington. Well, the weird thing about this one is that the game opened at 11 and a half, and it's come all the way down underneath the touchdown, which makes me a little nervous, especially with yesterday. Uh, the money in this game yesterday was severely lopsided uh, along with the bets in this game. So right now, 71% of the money is on South Carolina at six and a half, but only 35% of the bets are on South Carolina. So what's that mean? So that means if you think how much money compared to fewer bets, that means the big money is on South Carolina gotcha. in this game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like UK under a touchdown, but I'm not making picks here. So, Tom, who do you have? I got, I got Kentucky. All right, Casey. Yeah, I also have Kentucky on this one. I think they were clearly the better team last week against Ole Miss. Um, and I did pick them to cover the spread, I'm pretty sure. So I, I've been I've been on UK for a while now. They have not let me down. So six and a half, I like that. Um, you know, it, it's not the this magic number. Uh, or it, that is the magic number, excuse me, uh, six and a half. So I like UK in this one. Brandon? I think – I think the Gamecocks going to keep it tight, going to keep it close. UK might still win, but they will not cover. Okay. Wow. Go Gamecocks. Okay. To cover. To cover. All right. I got you. Um, fair enough. Mississippi State comes to UK text. next weekend. That's another good game. All right. The Ohio University. It's homecoming. I would have been there tomorrow morning. But uh, our daughter's on fall break from college, so I'm right here on the home front, which I'd rather, of course, be. So uh, Bobcats favored by 11 over Akron. This is a no-brainer. The Ohio University covers at 11. Yeah. um, Every time I pick Ohio, I uh, end up regretting it later. But you know what? I'm picking them again this week. Minus 11. Why not? Let, let's try it one more time. All right. Tom, I want to know what it would take for you to not bet on OU. It is will, there, is will, there anything? I've already said it will never happen. Okay. All right. I, don't know. I respect that. I'm just wondering if there is anything, you know, if we're working with a fourth-string quarterback and like – Nope, never going to do thir- it. And okay. that's why I say really at the end of the day, Casey and Brandon, uh, one of the reasons they are slightly ahead of me in the overall numbers is because – on a pretty regular basis, I'm the only one picking Ohio University. And look, they've not played well to start this season. They play a great out-of-conference schedule. And, and it's not been a great year, although, you know, their record's two and three. It could be worse. So, Brandon, who are you picking in this one? Say it with me, Tom. O-U, oh yeah. O-U, oh yeah, indeed. Homecoming weekend what, in A-Town. That's what they say there, right? That is going to be uh, if they can even get that far in the alphabet. <laughs> And I went there, Go so cats. I can say that. Um, okay, a couple of other games outside of our region. I just think the whole uh, Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher thing uh, has some interesting dynamics to it for sure, even though they used to work together. Uh, Jimbo Fisher coached under Nick Saban. 
you throw in the quarterback thing now, and Paul, as you pointed out, the Texas A&M starting quarterback, Max Johnson, it looks like he's not going to play with a hand injury. Now, when they went into camp, they had two or three guys who were vying for the starting job. So I know they probably feel as though the other guys are capable. The wild card in this whole thing, and it's a game-time decision, is Bryce Young, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner for Alabama, who was injured his shoulder in the game last week. It's 24. It's in Alabama. Roll, Tide, roll. So I'm going to put uh, – I'm going to put – my friend Paul here on the spot. I am uh, oh, going to change my he, pick. He sees my, he sees my I, pick I, and changes it. That's, he does no, this every week, no, at least once, Tom. At least no, once. No, never, never. And it's mainly just because of the whole Bryce Young thing being out. And I just don't know. Like, when you don't know, you don't know. And this might come back to bite me in the butt. Alabama's clearly the better team, but – I got to go and with what my gut's telling me, and right now Texas A&M makes sense. So Here's the thing, though. Jalen Milrow didn't look terrible last week. He was serviceable. Did you see that run he had for no. a touchdown? Yeah, the backup for Alabama. Well, I mean, I mean come, it's Alabama. It's Alabama. They just churn him out. I mean, come on. It's yeah. Alabama. Yeah. I mean, but I'm just saying it wasn't – stiff in there. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't like they threw him in. You know, I mean, I don't want to say it's like a Cardell Jones situation where you throw in and he wins the national championship. But, I mean, he, he looked – Good in very limited snaps that we saw him. All right. Go ahead, Brandon. Brandon, does that mean you're going with A&M? Going with the Aggies. I, I think cannot believe you guys are going with A&M. 24 is a lot. I know it's Alabama. The Bryce Young trying to figure out if he's going to play or not. I think he plays. Still, the Jimbo Fisher drama with the NIL money and all that, him and Saban going back and forth. The game is in Tuscaloosa. I don't know if you've been there, Tom. It's a good environment. It's not great. Ohio State and LSU are louder. I think A&M is going to at least cover. They might lose by 23, but at least they'll lose by 23. This line hasn't really moved much at all. It opened at 23.5. It's now up to like 24, so it's only moved about a half a point. 80% of the public, though, of the money is on Alabama. Look, here's the thing. I liken this, and look, it's the greatest college coach of all time, greatest pro coach of all time in this analogy. I am not a gambler. But in, in, in situations like this, and when I, our, our Fox crew doing NFL games, we, we all pick games and have a running thing the whole year long just to have some fun with a spread. There, there are two teams outside of Ohio University, which you've documented, but there are two teams that I will never under any circumstances bet against. And that is Nick Saban as head coach of Alabama and when Tom Brady was playing for Bill Belichick in New England. Will not do it. I cannot believe you two stiffs are picking against Alabama this weekend. Just remember At who's, home. who's leading the standings, not you. That, well, not that's you. right Casey now. Is, it's a temporary thing. This sure. could be a big week for you, Tom. It could this be. Could, this, be has, this has potential week. to be a big already. week. I already. I told you about, you know, and we had, uh, who was it that liked my, you know, sort of description? Oh, yeah. I think that was Mars on YouTube. Mars. You know, Mars. You Mars loved it. Branded, it. But like a, the, the, the Buffalo. In the Plains. Did you hear all this? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I logged on to hear your rant, whatever the hell that was. <laughs> that was a big league rant. <laughs> I like Big it. leaguer. All right. There's no, no doubt. Okay, I'm, Where, I'm who's next? right now in this place. Uh, okay, uh, this is a game we added. We weren't going to do this, but because it does have some local flavor to it, 
Tennessee, they, they've got a lot of alums sprinkled in and around greater Cincinnati. Uh, undefeated, ranked eighth in the country. Brian Kelly lost their first game. We talked about it a little while ago. They won four in a row his first year at LSU. Uh, the spread is Tennessee minus three. Did I ever pick this game? You're going to pick it live. I'm going to pick it live. I am we'll taking. Um, I'm taking the Volunteers. Good uh, choice. That's what I had down, assuming you would pick it. I like the pick, Tom. Thank you. Yep. And I also am going with Tennessee as well. The Volunteers. LSU really hasn't played anybody, except for Mississippi State, as far as I can see. Tell you what, so, L- I mean LSU four and one. They weren't thinking that down there this year. Uh, Brian Kelly, like him or hate him. Guy's one of the top five coaches in college football. Might be top three. Brandon, go Tigers. That's no, not. I knew that uh, was Brian Kelly. That is. Well, listen. I you know I just think Tennessee. I'm still not all the way in on them. Yeah. They got a couple big wins this year, but we've seen Tennessee what they've been the last ten or fifteen years. I don't think LSU's that good, but I've been to Death Valley. I covered them for two years. I think this is a game where LSU can squeak by with a win, or at least lose on a field goal, which would be a push. If this was a night game, I would go with LSU because you know the scene down there uh, in the Bayou uh, uh, night games. But uh, noon kickoff, no. Hey, they'll they'll be up drinking. I promise you that. This is the game of the weekend. And I made the comment earlier. If somebody, Paul, you're you're doing a gambling show. If someone would have come to you in August and they'd have said, hey, look, uh, when we get around to October the 8th, uh, five weeks, six weeks into the college football season, the biggest and best game is going to be TCU at Kansas. Now, TCU has had a lot of good football teams through the years under Gary Patterson. He was there for over 20 years. They fired him last year. They bring in Sonny Dykes from SMU. They got the number two offense in the country. And then there's Kansas. Kansas! Bill Self doesn't coach this team. I mean, and TCU at Kansas College game day on ESPN is going to Lawrence, Kansas for a football game tomorrow. Unbelievable. But TCU on the road is a six and a half point favorite. I say go Horn Frogs. TCU in a route in this game tomorrow. Thoughts? Casey? I'm going with TCU as well. Um, I've never been a big believer of Kansas's football team or program to begin with. I, so. I don't think it, in your defense, Casey, I don't think anybody no in has. America has been for the last 15 years. Yeah, so that that's really my only reason. I think TCU is a better program, but we'll see. Hey, here's my thing, Brandon, before you make your pick. Kansas this year, here's their schedule. Tennessee Tech, can't, can't count that. West Virginia – all right, I'll not give bad. it to you. Not bad. Houston, Dana Holgerson, that's that's not it. No. No, no, no. They were they're, supposed to win the, the American Conference, and they didn't. Oh, no, but no. They, they're terrible. Duke, terrible. Iowa State, okay, it's a it's a Big 12 win, but not, not a good team. I think this Kansas team is a little overvalued. It is at home, and I'm not taking anything away from what Kansas has done. They are, deserve to be ranked. I'm not in any way discrediting anything that they have done, but I think that the public is overvaluing the Kansas momentum a little bit. What scares me about the bets in this game is that everybody is on TCU. Yeah. The public, 
everybody is on TCU, as am I, as is Casey, as is Tom. Hey, Brandon, are you going to make it three in a row? The old three in a row. Yeah. yeah these are tired when we all agree. Well, I tried to mix it up, and then Casey started mimicking my picks on some of them. So, you know. Oh, yeah, it was funny. In the commercial now. break, before we started these picks, Casey's going on and on about how, you know, uh, and, and Paul are saying, you know, the Kate, that, that Brandon's stepping out of the box on some of these picks. And now once we actually get to them on the air, here Casey is uh, changing in mid-sentence. I mean, yeah. I changed it one time to the Aggies. I think that's the only one I changed. I know, but there's always but... one. There's one a week. There's one no, a week. No, you changed South sounds, Florida. It's... You changed UC, too. So uh, that's two of our six games. Okay, well... I, I think Kansas deserves credit for being 5-0 and and for surpassing. Their preseason win total was at 2.5. I, I think that they deserve credit for, for getting to this point and even winning games in the first place for a Kansas program that hasn't won games in a decade and a half. But I, I think that they are getting a little too much pub right now. But if they win this game or at least cover in this game, you know, if they keep it close, if they keep it under a touchdown, then you might start to see some legitimacy because TCU – is legitimate. Well, you know, good. the thing I find interesting about about um and look, every website they have their own, you know, sort of playoff predictors and playoff indicators and all that kind of thing. And then you have the the rankings, the coaches poll, the AP poll. I found it so interesting this week that TCU, who has not been ranked by anybody anywhere all year long until they beat Oklahoma last week. Now I think they're number 17, something like that, 17, 15. But in this playoff predictor and i don't know if it's espn or somewhere else maybe the athletic they are all the way up to number six i mean that's that's a shocker when this season began tcu was picked seventh in the big 12 and kansas was picked 10th and here they are both undefeated talk about it being a homer show let's just remember where does your daughter go to college at she goes to school at tcu Okay, just making sure. But, I mean, I, I follow them now more. And, I mean, I followed them a little well, bit before Gary, because they were a program yeah, worth following. And, and then, the, right, the, the sure. you know, things fell apart. Legendary coach. You have a statue of the guy, and they fired him in the middle of the year. All right, NFL. Here we go, NFL. We start with the Chargers at 2-2, two and two, the Brownies at 2-2 two and two along the lakefront. Be a little chill in the air on Sunday for the first time this year. Chargers at minus 2.5. And once again, it's like me just running into this cement wall here. I continue to roll the dice with the brownies. I hit it so hard it made the facial hair grow. I'm going with the brownies. Well, uh, I'm going with the chargers um, begrudgingly because I just don't. Yeah, it is a big it word. It is big, too big for this show. Too big. I, I went above my ham and egg or pay status there. Um, <laughs> I just think the Chargers have a better team than the Browns. The Browns are the Browns. And they, again, have a ton of people on the injured list right now, a bunch of questionables, and I just don't like that necessarily. And, um, I mean, two and a half, that's a good spot. You know, I think the game will probably come down to a field goal. It was last year. It was like. 45 to 48 if i'm not mistaken it won't def it won't be like that of course but it's going to be close probably 20 23 
I hate saying this because as you guys know, I had Joe Thomas. He's coming up as one of my first guests on the podcast. Brown's legend. Love the guy. And he showed Cincinnati a lot of love, saying he feels like the Bengals fan base is comparable, so loyal for all those losing seasons, wants to see him win. But like you said, Casey, I think the Browns are always going to be the Browns. Chargers on this one. Okay. We move on to, as we call them, not the men of steel. We call them the men of aluminum. <laughs> they make a lot of aluminum in Pittsburgh. They do. That they do, Tom. And they didn't used to make it down around the football complex, but they are now. Uh, Steelers minus 14 at Buffalo. I'm taking That's a big number. Buffalo. Yeah, I think, uh, I think we all feel the same way about this game. Uh, they're going to be starting their rookie quarterback, Pickett. Yep. Um, Steelers are banged up, hurt, have a terrible offense. It's just too, too much in uh, Buffalo's favor. I'm taking Buffalo. Casey? All Bill. I mean, Brandon? Oh, I'm, Bra- I'm Brandon. Um, I know you, you're a big timer, so you can't remember our names, but this is Brandon here. Paul's in my seat, and Casey's I appreciate you guys me. introducing yourselves to me every time I come in here in Hamilton, Ohio, in the morning. Thank you for that. Yeah, I stop by UDF, pick up your coffee for you. I do your dry cleaning because you leave your shirts at the studio. I really am just your personal assistant. I'm lucky to be with you. Um, I'm picking you. the bills, by the way. <laughs> the bills, okay. All right. All right, what's up next? Giants v. Packers. Uh, Giants, another team, Paul. I mean, nobody in a million years thinks after four weeks they're 3-1. and one. Uh, It started with that gutsy call on a fourth down going for the win in week one at Tennessee. Uh, their only loss coming to the Dallas Cowboys. 3-1, and one, but they're at Lambeau Field. Why is this game only an eight-point spread? Because of the offensive woes it's by London. Green Bay? It's across think, the pond. It, this is a London yeah. game. Oh, London it is. Game. I'm 9.30 in Thank the morning. You. I did not know that. All right, it's in London. Get your cup. Yeah, why? I mean, it's either that or they just think that the game is going to be low scoring, in my opinion. Well, you know, look, I said it earlier. Um, uh, Aaron Rodgers came out point blank and it just said, this is not sustainable. We're 3-1. and one. I got to be better. It's quoting him. This offense has to be better because the defense is playing her tails off, and we are just not getting it done. I'm still going with a pat. Yeah, and uh, I'm not going to bet against Aaron Rodgers in this game. I'm going with the pack too. Don't trust the Giants. The only good player they got is Saquon. And you know, I think I think the Packers start to figure it out on offense. They they, they just got to if they want to be better. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I really don't know. Brandon? I really I really wanted to pick the Giants here. I just I can't do it. I, I, I saw we saw what the Packers were doing. Like Aaron Rodgers said, can't win sustainably with that type of offensive performance. But I think the, the line's closer than we think because it's in London. Tom, I don't know if you've done games over there. Or, I have. But no, you know, yeah, it's the way those games work. I think NFL players really don't like it. I was there for the Bengals-Rams game last time. They fly over a day and a half before – your times, your, you know, your sleep schedule is all messed up. I think it's going to be tight because of that, but I think in, in, in the end, Green Bay covers. You know, uh, check for me here, fellas, if you don't mind. I saw where the game in London last week was played was wild. Uh, in a stadium other than Wembley. Now, I've been over there and, and done a Hotspurs. number of games over there. Yeah. Uh, where is that game this week? It's at the Tottenham Hotspur so Stadium. So it's going to be a little bit different ball game. That stadium is not nearly as big, I don't think. 
as Wembley. Wembley's, I mean, just, it's insane. It's incredible. Yeah. And so it's a little bit different atmosphere in a, in a quote-unquote uh, soccer stadium, although football. decent size, but uh, yes, football. Uh, then, um, but then, it, is, it is an NFL-ready. Have you seen how they have prepared this stadium? It's an NFL-ready stadium. Well, I mean, and, yeah. and, and, and there are a lot of people who want to see a team over there. Yeah. That's, I think, the idea behind yeah. them playing these. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about that, and I happen to be a part of a, uh, a conference symposium, whatever you want to call it, on this very topic. Uh, Roger Gazelle was there and, and just talking about the challenges of having a team, which the NFL desperately wants, having a team in London. The scheduling challenges, as you can imagine, uh, it, it's really interesting because they've studied all the different ways you could do it. Come here for two weeks. You play home for two weeks, on and on and on and on. Do you think it's realistic? Uh, Do you think it I, ever happens? You know what? I don't. Uh, it's not to say that I don't think uh, – that's not saying it won't happen. But I, I just I, – I think at the – look, you know what? I'm going to stop there because it's just like Thursday night. The players and the coaches, they bitch and moan about playing on a Thursday night after playing on a Sunday, right? But at the end of the day, when Amazon Prime walks in the door and they say, we're giving you billions of dollars, which that money is shared with the players, the players say, we'll take it. When there's talk about uh, getting uh, uh, players not wanting a 17th game in a schedule, well, again, money talks, the rest of it walks. So if they get a franchise in London, the rights fees alone would be – billions of dollars and, and, and the TV money generated now in England and in and around London I think the players probably say it's fine we'll do it we'll travel over there and the rest of it goes to the Wolves all right well, we're getting off pace where are we two more Cowboys v Rams I to me the Rams are at a tipping point right now in their season even though it's only the fifth week their offensive line lost a lot from last year including Andrew Whitworth Matthew Stafford uh, looked like he was back in Detroit last week. He's throwing picks. He's getting killed. He got sacked seven times by the 49ers. Uh, I think the Cowboys cover this five and a half. Casey? I agree with you, Tom. I think they cover. I actually think they win, honestly. Uh, that, that's my bold that's prediction. A Paul, that's a Paul term. Yeah. Sprinkle that little sprinkle. Money sprinkle line. it in. Sprinkle it in there. Um, yeah, that defense is kind of crazy. And we kind of saw what happened when they faced a really good defense against the 49ers. So this might be a regression to the mean for Cooper Rush, though. Might be. Yeah. But they keep saying that every week he started. Yeah. I I I I know what you're saying. I I think that this might be. I I think that this might be the uh, regression of the mean week. Okay. Okay. Just uh, the, just the way the defense and having to handle everything and but Matt Stafford sure hasn't looked good. Well, their offensive line looks terrible, just terrible. Uh, and we've seen here in Cincinnati, when the, when the quarterback's getting killed, you have a hard time winning games. Yeah. All right, Brandon. So, think, Casey, you're going with I think Dallas. Char yep. I think L.A. Rams, I'm taking them to cover. Let's, uh, let's do I think this is the, the uh, Dallas, Dallas quarterback, Cooper Rush. This isn't going to be his game. And L.A.'s got to bounce back. Okay. You're right about that for L.A. Because it does not look like a reigning Super Bowl championship team. Uh, even their defense has not looked great. Hear those Bengals growling, mean, mean and angry. angry. Here they come Last time growling. you clowns did this, uh, they got their tails kicked. Well, it's the immovable object, unstoppable force thing with uh, your I, beard. I, see, that's that Xavier University education. 
hey, talking I'm, above the rest of this crowd. I'm just saying. All right, Bengalis are a three-point dog in Baltimore. I am taking, without even blinking, I am taking Cincinnati to cover that. I am also taking Cincinnati to cover. Um, I, you, everyone knows from the show that I have them winning. So, Oh, I thought you had the Ravens winning. No. No, he said it's a walk in the park. For the I, Bengals, yeah, he's got I, this whole time, I thought, time, I thought you've Brandon, been telling Brandon me for two days. Confirm that. He, he, uh, Casey has said all week it's a walk in the park. I've not said he that. He thinks though. the Bengals are going to win by forty-five. I'm messing around, points Casey. I know he's Monday Night Football. Uh, I'm taking the Bengals too. Like I said, that Madden Wednesdays I do, where it's yep. been pretty spot on. Bengals go down early in the first half. Burrow struggles a little bit, like he has in these first few games. Comes back, they win by seven. That would obviously cover the spread here. I'm picking the Bengals to win. And, Paul, what are your thoughts? I'm already on this game. Are you sprinkling money line action on the Bengalis or no? I'm already locked in on my weekend action. Like I said, I got a wedding this weekend, so uh, I don't have any bets in for Saturday. But Sunday, I'm already in. Bengals, I'm taking the money line. I'm taking them straight up. Straight up. Straight up. Vegas can keep the points on this one. I do think that this is – Where's the money going on this game? uh, Yeah, good question. I was just actually looking at that. The uh, Ravens right now – are getting 82% of the money. You have got to be kidding 82% and 60% of the bets. So uh, everything right now is on the Ravens. I just – this game opened at three and a half. It's pretty much stayed at three and a half. It's at three right now, which I like even better. If you look at the, if you look at the kickers in this game, Justin Tucker, Evan McPherson, if it comes down to a field goal and you have the Bengals, you're pushing on that at three – I love the Bengals in this spot. The only thing you don't like is that it's on the road. Baltimore plays very well at home in prime time. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm already in on the Bengals. Tell you the one thing you just mentioned, and, and, and I failed to ask Dan Horde about this, um, Evan McPherson did not practice a couple of days this week. He's got a groin injury. Now, they say after being named the AFC Special Teams Player of the Week last week, um, I don't know how severe it is. They're saying he's going to kick and he's going to play, so, you know, that's great. But uh, that might be something to file away because, as you point out, uh, these are two of the top three, four kickers uh, in the NFL. I still believe the kid in Pittsburgh is still right there uh, with with anybody. Um, But that could be a huge factor in this game. All right, fellas. Brandon, uh, have a great rest of your day. Good luck with the bash tomorrow. Are you allowed to host and drink beer at the same time? Yes, I've already went over that with our... (laughs) That's uh, in your contract? Our boss. Yeah, yeah. I wrote that in the contract. Unlimited, well, not unlimited. A reasonable amount of Coors Lights may be had while hosting tailgate events. We did it with the Bengals. I'll be doing it with uh, the bash near UC. Um, we're gonna have a good time. It's gonna be fun, and I will okay. help clean up afterwards. Might be, you know, a little off balance, but we'll figure it out. I'm okay. a team player. Uh, absolutely. Okay. Um, okay. So there you have it. Do we have a uh, cherry on top presented by UDF this week or no? Uh, we do. We do. We have a cherry on top. Um, it's kind of a uh, inside joke amongst us at Chatterbox, but it has relevancy here today and, and you want to tee this up yes. so this clip happened five years ago today and in my personal opinion tom is the absolute pinnacle of the broadcasting profession i'll leave it at that let's hear it 
Here we go. This would be a big kick for him. Six of seven on the year is Paulie Fricano. Fricano is six of eight now. Off the crossbar. He just barely had enough, but he knocked it through, Ben. Gets him even. That's a big kick for Paulie Fricano. Eastern Michigan answers. Three to three. Do you need a let, let, let's restart that one more time. Let's just Fricano's long is 46. He didn't go back this I'm gonna turn down just for a little bit. Eastern Michigan going for this 50 and obviously wide right, but he missed it by 10 yards. The crossbar. He just barely had enough, but he knocked it through, Ben. Gets him even. That's a big kick for Polly Fricano. Eastern Michigan answers. Three to three. Not Jay Feely's finest moment. That's <laughs> a little interesting. Uh, I wonder what he saw. Apparently, it went off the crossbar. I love how he sent it to break, too. Play-by-play guys just standing there befuddled. <laughs> how do you handle that one, Tom, in the, in the booth? Look, I have made more than my fair share of mistakes. I, I try to avoid critiquing uh, other announcers at all costs. Um, I, I really don't. I've never done it. I never will. But... Um, Boy, <laughs> that that one is, um, I don't even know what to say. We're out of time. Uh, we've gone over our allotted time frame. So, fellas, have a great weekend. Have a good time at the wedding. Yes, thank you. Great having you with us today, Paul. Absolutely. Thank you. Your show will be back on Monday. Monday. Casey, have a great weekend. Thank you. And uh, we thank our... Producers, Casey McAllister, Paul Frischner. We thank Brandon Seho checking in. We thank Trace Fowler, our CEO and executive producer. We will see you on Monday. God bless. Have a great weekend.